Welcome to the Teacher Entrepreneur Podcast, where you'll hear from teachers who are successful entrepreneurs and learn tips and techniques to help you escape the classroom. Now here's your host, teacher, author, and entrepreneur, Christine Draper. Today, we welcome onto the show Dr. Marnie Ginsberg. Marnie is a literary consultant and the owner of Reading Simplified. Marnie's programs have been shown to be effective in multiple research articles in journals such as Elementary School Journal, Journal of Educational Psychology, and Journal of Learning Disabilities. The Reading Simplified program has helped more than one and a half million children across the globe learn to read. Welcome to the show, Marnie. Thank you, Christine. It's good to be here. Marnie, in the late 90s, when you were teaching sixth grade, can you tell us about the school and students you were teaching? Mm-hmm. Well, I was teaching mostly sixth grade language arts, English language arts, and a little bit of social studies, but I was really concerned with my sixth grade students who were reading on average at the fourth grade level. And it, actually, I had to do some digging to figure out where they were reading because the only measures that we had of their achievement were uh, what was called an end of grade test score in North Carolina here in the U.S. And that was a score of one, two, three, or four, and three or four was considered a great on grade level or above, but and two, one and two wasn't, but didn't really tell you what it, you know, how far off they were. So I dug around, found out what kind of assessment I could give them that I would help me, you know, figure out where 80 kids were as readers. And then I was shocked to find out they were two years behind. And then I, when I listened to them read, I realized that I, uh, they mostly could not recognize the words well. They had trouble decoding. And I did not know how to improve that. I had expected as a trained middle school and high school English teacher that that wouldn't be part of my responsibility. And I, re- I had taken a reading course and in, in, uh, at the university and realized I hadn't even learned how to do that. So I was really frustrated with the fact that my kids were so far behind, they couldn't recognize words, and I didn't have a good solution for it. So I started searching everywhere. And when you go to the library and the bookstore in the 90s, you get a lot of conflicting ideas. In fact, you still get those conflicting ideas. And not only were they in conflict with one another, but they they um, they just didn't hold out much promise. I, I was like... I had kids two years behind. I needed to catch them up immediately so we could even do sixth grade work, let alone advance into seventh grade work. And so I was very discouraged and um, tried a few things, but not much worked. And then the next year when I was in that particular school, um, I was given two students who were considered inclusion students, and they were not even able to read at the first grade level. They could not read like a basic Dr. Seuss book like Hop on Pop. And so I really scrambled. Then (laughs) finally found something called uh, reading reflex, which was a book that was in uh, published in the in the nineties, and it really helped me uh, figure out what to do. And I tested it out with two kids, these two kids that were so far behind, and they started to make big um, gains. Uh, it really surprised me. The, the The activities they suggested just really worked well with them, and they ended that year reading about the middle of the third grade, which is a great gain uh, over three years growth. But at the same time, they were really far behind, and I didn't expect that they would get the same kind of treatment, you know, before and after school, just to squeeze in a little tutoring. So I got the bug that year of like, what is the deal? Why was I so lost? I paid attention. I had a master's in my, you know, but I didn't know how to solve this problem. 
And then I did find something that worked, but it was not anything that I had heard about. Nobody was talking about it. And so I started um, private tutoring actually at that point, because I was so obsessed with how to, how beginners need to learn to read, how struggling students can be caught up. And I just felt like in the mainstream classroom with 80 kids where my curriculum was over here and I wanted to teach this, you know, to solve the, the real issue. I just couldn't do both. So that's what set me on a path towards at that time, private tutoring. And I got really excited about that teaching kids how to read really rapidly using those ideas from the reading reflex and also continuing my own study about how to uh, teach reading. Wonderful. And it's just amazing the difference you made to those two boys that you were tutoring and really helping in your class and outside. Tutoring is a common step for teachers looking for an alternative form of income. However, I've also found it to be a useful step in creating a successful business. It was through tutoring students that I was able to write and refine books that would best help my students to succeed in the exam they were studying for. Can you tell us more about the role Mm -hmm. that tutoring had on your eventual program and business? Right. I agree with you, Christine. It was really pivotal in shaping me to be the, you know, the business owner that I am today. It took a long time to get there, but uh, the important thing was that I kept refining this process of how to reach kids and solve their problems. And I kept seeing the same pattern that kids who were behind, whether they were three or four or five years behind, they got up, they caught up many, most of them rather rapidly, often in just 12 tutoring hours, which was unprecedented from the general literature at the time. And so I was getting more confidence in how to teach kids from all sorts of grade levels. So I really became confident and expert in reading development and across, like I said, a a range of ages. And I kept reading more and more about these issues. And I just gathered a lot of information about how we are teaching reading, what the science is about reading, and also um, what, what I was seeing working. And so these kind of, these things were merging in, you know, in my experience and they helped me move over to the next stage of my career where I realized um, I was very passionate about this, but most people wouldn't have considered me an expert because I didn't have that degree in literacy other than um, the upper grade uh, English degree. So I went to get the reading specialist license and continued my doctoral studies in um, education with a specialty in literacy. And then I got the treat of reading even more in the field. And I thought when I was headed that way that that there it would be great to have the opportunity to to do research on the things that I had discovered because I felt like, oh, they were all discoveries, but I realized they actually weren't (laughs) that we knew quite a lot about how to teach reading in the university settings in certain departments like cognitive psychology and neuropsychology and special education. But other departments, the ones generally, this is a gross generalization, but it's generally true that the ones that were trained the teachers were not informed about this information. And so it was really a question of dissemination, not that we needed to do new original research, not that there's plenty, you know, there's plenty of really interesting questions still left out there, even to this day that I would love to research. But the just the issue of what I saw going on in the classroom, for the students that I was tutoring when they, you know, I would teach them these strategies, and the teacher would go and tell them to do the opposite. (laughs) And that kind of mismatch wasn't because of a lack of research. It was actually a lack of getting the message out there. And so that's really, um, that initial idea 
when I first went to grad school is still kind of driving what's behind the work I do now with Reading Simplified. It's just about how can we get some ideas out there into the general public um, that are shrouded or covered up in a lot of communities, particularly through the universities and through a lot of the publishing um, houses about how we should teach reading. I think it's wonderful that you pursued it and actually looked at the research and did your own research to produce your program. And obviously those studies were very pivotal in the development of your program and therefore your business. So right. well done on that. Right. So you then started the Reading Simplified program. And in 2016, your Reading Simplified Academy opened to outstanding success. One of the advantages that teachers have when they enter entrepreneurship is that they understand the value of study. This does not have to be formal education, but just learning the skills they will need. I know when I started my Teachers Pay Teacher store, for example, because I didn't invest in training at the time, I made a lot of mistakes that cost me dearly. And it's meant that my TPT store has taken a long time to become a profitable enterprise. Besides material related to the content of the business, what skills do you think teachers need to learn as they branch out into entrepreneurship? Mm. Well, there is so much. Um, it can be daunting, to be honest. Um, I I have felt as if since really I started kind of the idea in 2013, started making the product sort of 2014, 2015, but didn't really start ha- thinking about how to do business that much until 2015, 2016. And then really weren't, I wasn't profitable until 2017. So that's a lot of years. And, and even then at 2017, I kept learning. So there have been a lot of things that I've worked on um, learning what, what I consider like my, you know, informal online MBA through courses, podcasts, and uh, blog reading, really. Um, so I've been kind of obsessive, uh, you know, I've been obsessive about that and how to get the word out because, you know, I, I spent the earlier part of my career obsessing about reading and I still enjoy doing that. But um, if dissemination is the issue and, you know, and having a successful business is what I need to, to, uh, to get the word out, then there's a huge body of work to, to, to learn, to master that because we aren't as educators trained in that. We're not told, we're not trained at all about how to sell for instance. So uh, the educator is great at communicating and, and communicating her or his ideas. And so that's a great attribute for a business owner. And that actually does help with sales and marketing because you ideally you would have a better understanding of the people on the other end, just like a teacher has a better understanding of her students. So um, there are some attributes that the educator can bring to the task, but then there's the um, the business hat, which is not necessarily something that I had. So we have to um, develop those skills. And um, so it, it can be a long process. But if you find those that you trust that you can um, model yourself after and learn from and focus um, and not try to do everything, then you can probably figure out a path forward. But it takes a lot of persistence and trial and error. Um, so I don't know, maybe I could, t- if you have another question on that, I could maybe go a different route, but it is, a, it is, it can be challenging. Um, especially if you feel like you need to do everything that all the people up here are doing, you know, I, I like to try to find people that were kind of at my level or maybe just one step above and, and try to think, what are they doing and how could I adapt to do that myself instead of looking at someone who was making, you know, two or 3 million and had 
thousands of followers. Well, that was, that's a, that's a very depressing to compare yourself to them. So that was one way that I helped. I kind of kept chipping away, moving forward in my business endeavors, but it's not like I was a success from the beginning. And so, and, and very few people are in this. There's a lot to, there's a lot to learn, but it's also easier than ever before. So even though it's, it's a noisy internet world, um, the tools and the resources and the training are a lot more prevalent than ever before. And so if you wanted to start a business 10, 15 years ago, you had to, you know, get a whole bunch of money to maybe have uh, a brick and mortar business, you know, overhead and venture capital to be able to, to do marketing and you don't have to do that anymore. So it is exciting times to be um, starting an online business today. I think what you said about the fact that very few have success straight off the bat, but if they keep pursuing it, then there's so many opportunities today and it's so much easier today than it ever has been. So absolutely agree with that. That is just so true. So if there was someone listening to this show who is just starting to set up an educational business, what advice would you give them? Mm -hmm. Well, again, find someone that you admire, that you can learn from and follow generally what they say and try not to be influenced by all the different things that all the experts say, because you'll, you'll tear your hair out trying to do too many things. And then keep going on one road for a sustained period of time and test, 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 and learn from that. And often if um, my approach has been a content marketing approach, so I teach a lot of information and give it away freely on a blog, maybe on a YouTube video, um, on a podcast, on Facebook videos. So that is a way of teaching people and reaching more. And then once they hear about me, then I um, get often that they'll come to my website and get something free from me and then um, get on my email list. And then I can reach out to them, teach them more, again, more of that content marketing. And then when I'm ready to sell, then they may be more likely to buy because they've built up trust uh, with me. And so that is one of the most popular ways of developing an online business today. So if you choose that content marketing approach, then try one thing. Maybe it's going to be the blog or maybe it'll be a podcast and keep trying it and then try to get as much feedback as you can from your community and iterate based on that. That was that has been the most powerful thing for me as a marketer because uh, you know, you're, you're trying to reach people in New York and California and Australia, and you're, you're not there. You need to get feedback to see how they respond. And then as you hear their language, then you, you learn what's working, what's not, how to change some of the, the way you talk about what you do, what you offer, you change the content, um, maybe you focus more on this, because that's what you're hearing there's interest in. Um, and so you learn so much from that audience. So if you start out and you have 50 people that are listening to you, fabulous. Ask them what they think about what you're doing. Ask them what their challenges are and then give them what they ask for. And then ask the 100 people you have five weeks later or five months later or whenever, ask them again and just keep getting that feedback loop. So you keep getting better and better at, at serving the people what they want. And you'll be more likely in that path to actually have 
um, gratified listeners or audience members, and then also sales. So as you grow in sales, you can also grow in your reach because you can market more and uh, you'll have uh, get to that point where you can maybe have a self-sustaining business and leave some old job behind. But it all it depends on making sure you're really serving the audience. And the only way you can do that is by listening to them and continuing to adapt to what you're hearing them say. And that doesn't mean that you always do exactly what they say, because especially if you're an, in an, you're an expert in your field, um, you're, you're not going to change everything and do exactly what people ask, but you, but it's helpful to kind of always ha- have that as a sounding board to bounce back off of um, regardless of whether you are an expert or you're um, more of a um, um, showing you the ropes as I learned them just a few steps ahead of you type of person of uh, leader. You mentioned an email list as part of your content marketing strategy of giving people all this free material and then putting them on an email list. How important do you think your email list is in that process? It's very huge. And it's, it's one of your only assets, if you will, like if you think of a you know, a uh, pizza restaurant, they might own uh, the building and the, the, all the food supplies and the chairs and, and that's their assets. But as an online business person, your best asset is not real estate, but it's email real estate, if you will. And you, it's really important to get that because uh, people don't buy from social media. They buy from the email list. That's the most personal things, even still to this day. Um, a lot of online businesses can expect um, about two to three percent of the people on their email list to buy, and so that value that's really valuable to get those hundred people, a thousand people, ten thousand people, um, because they will be the ones that will buy and then give you the feedback. And they'll be bringing the testimonials. So yeah, the email is very important, and uh, yeah. So all my I shouldn't say all, but I do try a, in many of my marketing efforts to to say, here's a little piece of information for you. If you want more, go snag this thing. And when you're snagging that free thing, you'll, you'll need to give me your email address. So that's like the reciprocal process that I am often engaging in with people. I give a lot of material away free, but I'm also frequently asking for an email so that they can learn more about reading simplified and, um, and not think of me as a stranger. And then one day when the time is right, they might, they may buy. I've had people do like a five day challenge and be really excited, get strong results, but not buy. And then six months, nine months, 12 months later, they say, I did that challenge, you know, last year and I've been waiting to join. And, you know, now's the time. And why did they know it was time? Because they were on the email list. It has actually been said that the best marketing tool is a great product. Your program that takes students several years behind in reading and with a short time brings them up to a great appropriate level is remarkable. This would help the child not only academically, but with their self-esteem too. So I would have Mm -hmm. thought that not only would your email be a huge marketing tool, but actually word of mouth. As your program grows through email marketing and through your website and through social media, then actually what would happen is more people take it and so you get more word of mouth as well. And that that would become a very big pivotal part of your program. We're seeing that a lot this year. I think we it was harder to see uh, until this year. So like I said, we kind of became profitable in 2017 and 29, late 2019, 2020. We're seeing a lot more people saying, I came because so-and-so. I came because so-and-so. <laughs> or I heard about this on that so- Facebook page. Yeah. So it's just, it takes a while for 
to build up critical mass. The Nobel Award winner novelist Orhan Pamuk said, I read a book one day and my whole life was changed. I can't think of anything mm-hmm. more wonderful than enabling readers to read. Mm-hmm. You and your program have certainly changed many lives and it's an honour to have you on the show. Oh, if any you. of the listeners are interested in finding out more, where's the best place to find you online? The best place is readingsimplified.com and we have a really popular work online wo- workshops. It's complimentary called Three Activities a Day to Keep Reading Difficulties Away. So people could join that by going to readingsimplified.com forward slash webinar. And of course, all the links will be in the show notes. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for your time, Marnie. It's been an absolute privilege and an honor to have you on the show. Well, thank you, Christine. I'm really pleased to be here. Good to meet you. Pleased to meet you too. Thank you very much for listening to our podcast. We'd love to connect with you at te.media.